The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I'd say within the last couple of weeks, several people have shared with me about looking back over the past year, and for some that would lead to looking back further into their lives with a lot of sorrow or regret over various specific instances or how things have turned out, a number of different reasons. And then also in the last few weeks, um, several people have talked to me about um, dealing with a lot of stress around the holidays. And also people talking about how much they love the holidays. So you can look into your own life and see how it is for you. It might be kind of neutral. Or you may have a lot of stress. It's common. That happens in the holidays for lots of different reasons. Or if you're like my daughter, she just loves Christmas. comes. I'm, I'm Jewish, but her mother's uh, not, and she was raised with Christmas. And, you know, when, as soon as the lights come and the trees come, she's just in a good mood for <clears throat> a couple of months. And then also in the last few weeks, a few people have shared with me looking ahead into the new year, some with anticipation in a, in a, in a kind of a positive or happy sense, and a few people with uncertainty or fear or dread, given what was just happening in their lives. And so it struck me that at this time of year, it, it can bring together an intensity all at the same time of past, present, and future. Of course, we're all, we all have times when we're reflecting on the past, we're dealing with whatever's going on in the present, we're looking to the future. That always happens, but perhaps it's something about the holidays and the new year that can often bring a particular intensity of all three, maybe can be happening at the same time. So I want to say a few things about, from a Dharma or Buddhist perspective, looking at the past, present, and future. So it may, looking, first we'll start with past. There may or may not be things coming up for you, particularly around this time of year about the past year or even longer about your life. So this may or may not be applicable for you. So take a look into your own life now and, and just reflect for a few moments. And I'm not particularly asking you to dig up things to look for, although that's fine if you want to do that. Um, what I had in mind was noticing if you are having, say, regrets, for example, coming up as you look back in the year. These things happen in their own, you know, in their own way. Every one of us, just by virtue of being human beings, we're not perfect, and we all sometimes act in ways that aren't so wise or skillful. <clears throat> it's part of the package of being a human being, right? 
So we can all find things that we may have done that possibly cause, cause some difficulty or suffering for ourselves or for others. No one here set out consciously to cause more suffering for themselves. Not a single person in this room. Or to cause more problems in the world. In a given moment, there may have been things happening where you were possibly caught up in some passion or anger or some strong emotions, and then you may have, in that moment, consciously acted in a way and been quite conscious of acting in a way that was causing some difficulty and suffering. So when strong energies come up in a moment, those can take us over, right? What happened when that ha in those moments? What's going on? We, can all, we all have times like that. What's happening is the intensity of the, we call it the mind state, but the intensity of the feeling or the emotion, what's going on is so strong that it's stronger than our mindfulness or it's stronger than maybe our wish to, to live in a way that's more loving or kind, if you have such a wish. I'm assuming everyone here does. Or you wouldn't be in a place like a Dharma center. Right? The power of it takes us over. It's more than our, stronger than our power or our, the, to, to be uh, skillful or wise or kind in a moment. So that can happen to us. And yes, we can look back sometimes with regret, possibly on, some on those type of situations. And especially if we've acted in ways that have been very unskillful, we can sometimes have a lot of regret. Buddhist teachings make a distinction between regret and what's called healthy remorse. When we have a lot of regret, it's possible sometimes that we can really beat ourselves up and be quite hard on ourselves. Healthy remorse is making a distinction Healthy remorse invites us to, it actually asks us to, yes, take a good, honest, real look at what we did and to feel, connect with the pain or suffering that may have come for that, from that. Really let us feel, come to know what happens when we act in those ways. And then, as we look forward... Number one, and the most important, is bring some compassion for ourselves, knowing that, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I caused some suffering there. Maybe I caused a lot of suffering for myself and for others. Yeah, I did. For the suffering that we're feeling, knowing that as human beings, we have <clears throat> the potential for unkindness, or maybe even hatred in our hearts, right? So we have to acknowledge that, yeah, this is in me. And then to move forward in what we would call a wise or skillful way, which says, I can't go back. We connect with our own intention, our own desire, to live in a way that's more loving and kind and caring. And to know that we really do have that wish inside of us, right? To feel that, connect with it. 
when we act in ways that are, I, I'm calling them unskillful, we often identify with that. We might say, oh, I'm a, whatever, bad person. I'm a hothead. I'm a reactive person or whatever it is. And all of a sudden we've created an identity about ourselves around that, that we, we really connect with or identify with. Each of us have habitual or what I'll call conditioned patterns in our minds. <clears throat> right? How they got there, I don't know. We've all had our backgrounds, our histories, our childhoods, whatever. So now we've got what we've got. Those patterns have their own power. Right? So on one way, on one level, we do take them personally because it is part of us. But we don't want to personalize them or identify with them too much. They're conditioned patterns in our minds. So if you're going to judge yourself, which the Buddha recommended um, isn't necessarily such a good thing, right? But if we're going to do that, a more accurate or what's more deeply true about you is what's your intention or your wish at a deeper place. It's that intention to want to live in a way that's not so reactive or so angry or so, you know, whatever your own stuff, particular one is. That speaks more deeply true about you. And then, yes, we have to work with the condition patterns that we've got. So if we can hold it with this perspective, then when we look to the past, we can bring the healthy remorse. And hopefully, and again, we do the best we can. We can let go a little around the regret, when, in, at least in the way that can be so... Uh, it just creates more suffering for ourselves, and it keeps us caught in this identity, a, a negative identity about, uh, about who we think we are keeping in mind the self-compassion. And then, yeah, let's do the best to move forward in a positive way. So that's a little something about looking to the past. Looking in the present. Obviously, we all have our present moment experience. Actually, that's all we have, right? Around the holiday time, um, you can notice how it is for you. If you're dealing with a lot of stress that can come from many, many sources. It can come from um, stress around financial stress and we know in any, in any year that can come up for people. This year in particular uh, can be quite challenging for, for seems like for many more of us. Um, perhaps there's issues around connecting with our families that can bring up Troubles, difficulties, family dynamics, there's all of that. There's many, many ways that it can bring up difficulty in the present. For those of us who don't have families, or don't have intimate connections, it can bring up loneliness and all of those kind of issues. Depression. So there's lots of things that can come for some of us. How do we work with these things? It begins with, again, self-compassion. I actually think everything should, I would hope, begin with some self-compassion. That's a starting place. 
You know, we're all doing the best we can. Everyone's doing the best we can. We may judge it and think, no, think, no, I'm not really doing the best you can. If you could do it better, you would. You would. We're doing the best we can. We need a lot of compassion for ourselves. And then we need to bring a lot of mindful awareness to what's happening in our present moment experience. And we do the best we can. That's one of the reasons when we, why we do these meditation type practices. It's not the sitting formally with your eyes closed is not the only way of strengthening our mindful awareness, but it is very powerful and useful. And you all showed up here in a meditation group, so I'm assuming that you all thought at least it was a good idea to try it out, even if you didn't know much about it. They were trying to strengthen this mindfulness, strengthen this clear awareness, to be able to bring that more into our present moment experience. And then there's a number of ways to work with these difficulties. If we can learn to, when we have a lot of stress or agitation, to bring the intensity down, to, to cool out, to quiet down, to chill out more, obviously that helps us. You know, something as simple as kind of a cliche of taking two or three deep breaths when we're feeling a lot of stress, right? It seems very simplistic, but there's a real power there that can work. Or if we're having a lot of difficulties, we often forget, we don't notice the good or the beauty because we're, so much of our consciousness is around what's difficult. But if there's something you find particularly beautiful, say you like beautiful Christmas lights, if that's, or if it happens to be a sunny day and it's a beautiful blue sky, you know, it's still there. It's just our perception has been altered because the difficulty, the stress, right, the suffering has, is, is, seems predominant. We can take a few moments, one, one or two or three or four times a day or more, to consciously notice something beautiful and let the feeling of the beauty soak into our bodies. Just consciously feel it coming into us. It's not pretending that the difficulties aren't there. It's an experiment for you to try. What happens if you're having the difficulties? You take a few moments, turn towards something beautiful. That you, don't worry, you can come back to the difficulties whenever you're ready, so we're not going to lose it. Turn towards something pleasant just for a moment and see what would happen if I just, for the moment... You know, I still have to go to this dinner or I still don't have enough money or whatever. That's not going to go away. Let the beauty of it, not only notice the beauty, but feel the feeling in your body. Let it soak into you. What's it like now when you come back to connect with the difficulty? From what, Has it changed things for you? So just check it out. So there's, a, there's things we can try that are... These are basic stress management type of things, and there's many, many more things we could say about it. Lots of different techniques or things you might try. And we want to acknowledge that those don't always help. Right? There are times when we're not able to find a sense of peace or we're not able to calm down 
We're not able to reduce the stress. And in those times, what's really needed is we need to change the situation. It's not so much changing our attitudes. We do the best we can. Sometimes you need to bring down the intensity of the situation. And there are times when you can't bring down the intensity of the situation. Right? And so if what's happening in your life is too much and you're not able to find a place in, to shift your attitude around, that's a time when we're going to suffer. Really. Right? If you can't fix it and you're not able to be present with it, I think it's a, it's a suffering. That's when maybe all we can do is bring in a lot of compassion again for ourselves that just acknowledges, you know, this is hard. I'm suffering. And bring some kindness. Not to wallow in it, necessarily. Regret, when we were looking at the past, was one, is one way to think about it, is wallowing in the past. And the shift to healthy remorse, right, was a, was a shift. In the present moment, there's a difference between wallowing in our suffering and trying to work with it, again, the best we can. We do the best we can. It all is predicated upon our ability to be mindful and aware, right? When we've lost our mindful awareness and we're just caught up in what I call being on automatic pilot, meaning we're just lost and caught, well, then there's nothing to say about it. You, 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 you're just lost in it. You, there's no instructions that can be given, right? It's only when we wake up out of automatic pilot in those moments that then we can try to take some wise and skillful action. And then looking into the future. You may or may not be thinking much about it. And if you are thinking about the future, it could be with some anticipation or excitement, kind of in a real positive feeling. It could be with some dread or fear. Right? Or it could be in between. So you might want to check and see, is that up for you looking into the future? You know, it's New Year's. Some people do New Year's resolutions. Or it may just be a sense of the future. And notice how you're relating to that. Sometimes, oftentimes, what can happen is that there is some kind of fear driving us in how we're looking to the future. Or there could be some aversion about how terrible and awful either we think we were or the situation was and we don't want to have that anymore and we want to change it. So there can be a lot of different motivations. And I'm not judging it as right or wrong, but we just want to be aware of what the forces are that are motivating us. And we also want to stay in touch with our deepest intention. So we want to think about what is our life really about in the deepest or highest sense? Or what do we want our life to be about in the deepest or highest sense? Right? That, when I say that, that may, you may take that to mean what it looks like from the outside. I had more in mind what it looks like from the inside, but you have to see how that is for you. When I was young, I've shared this here in this group before, I had um, 
was listening to one of these motivational speakers. I was in my 20s. I can't remember who it was. They were talking about how you could create your life to be whatever you want it to be, <clears throat> creating this conscious life. And I thought, well, that, that's for me. That sounds pretty good. So I made a list of what my... It was all external. It wasn't it actually. When I look back at the list, there wasn't anything about qualities of my own mind and heart. But it was all just what I thought my life would look like, like my dream life. What would it look like financially? And what kind of relationships would I be in? A living situation. What kind of work situation would I be in? I used to, uh, in my younger days. These days are long gone. Uh, my brother and I had a bench press contest going on. I wanted to bench press more than my brother for example. That was on the list. All these different things. And then I can't remember exactly what happened, but at some point I completely forgot about the list until actually only a few years ago I was going through a filing cabinet cleaning out and I came across this list. So it was interesting to look back. This has been many, you know, 30 years ago. More, actually. And I noticed looking at the list, I'd completely forgotten about it, so I wasn't creating a conscious driven life, it just, life had gone on how it had gone on. Some of the things on the list had happened. Lots of things on the list didn't happen, did not outbench press my brother. What was interesting is, I didn't care. And a lot of the things on the list, some of them I cared about, a lot of the things on the list I just didn't care about anymore. Right? The things I tended to care about were more in line with my deepest... I, I wasn't this conscious about it at the time, but as I was reflecting on it, it was more, there were more the things that were more connected with what I really wanted my life to be about in a deeper sense or a higher sense. Right? So you may want to take a few moments. Let's just take a few moments. You may want to take more time later, but just a few moments. Uh, let me ask you, this is just a silent, uh, so you don't have to say anything, but just reflect in yourself. What do you want your life to be about in the deepest sense or the highest sense? You know, what's it all about? So it'll be different for all of us. And you may want to also reflect on as you're living your life, obviously none of us are going to be perfectly in, living in perfect alignment or attunement with the, our highest aspirations for our lives. But, you know, there's going to be some gap there, but, so you can notice that. And you might want to notice, um, to the extent there is a gap between how you're actually living and who you are as a person, say, or whatever it is for you, and your highest aspiration. What would support you to live more in tune or harmony with that? Okay, so that's the end of the reflection. You can spend more time on it. I realize we did that quickly. So as you're looking now to the future, I want to encourage you, I hope, we will all at least let that highest aspiration for our lives inform our concepts or the way we're heading or inclining or pointing ourselves for the future. We all want to take care of ourselves in the world, so some of, as we look to the future, 
I'm assuming, uh, will, will have to do with caring for ourselves in the world, our, our health the best we can, um, our finances, our relationships, all as our work, all aspects of our lives. But I also hope that given that this is a Dharma center, right, and a special group, by virtue of the fact that you chose to come to a group like this, I'm guessing, I'm assuming that for most, maybe all of us, part or maybe a lot of what our highest intentions are for our lives is strengthening and living more deeply out of what I call the beautiful qualities of the heart and mind. So you can see for yourself if that's true. And what I mean by that is living in ways that are more loving, wise, clear, compassionate, right? less reactive. Right? All of these Dharma qualities that we talk about. Right? Hopefully those will influence what's important to you in your lives. For, for, for some people, for many people, when they think about what they want their lives to be about in the deepest or highest sense, it's, it's deepening those qualities in their lives, to be more loving and compassionate. And it's not necessarily you know, bench pressing more than your brother. I mean, that would have been pretty nice at the time, but, you know, it only goes so far, right? <laughs> Looking at the past, present, future. So what I'd like to do now is um, I will stop and we have some time, a little bit of time, if anybody either wants to make any comments or if you have any questions, just to open it up uh, for everyone. Yeah, um, with respect to the future and uh, your intention, could you say a word about the phrase that's uh, I hear a lot in the psychology world about don't be attached to the outcome? Well, I would say to the extent you can, don't be attached to the outcome. <laughs> right? So, we all probably have some idea of the direction you want to point your life. Externally, internally, even if it's about, um, even if your whole life is about, if, when you think about your highest intention or aspiration for your life, even if it's all inner qualities of being more loving, more kind, more caring, more wise, more awake, if you will, more enlightened, whatever words you like to use, even if it's that, we then point ourselves in that direction. We head in that direction the best we can. How it turns out actually isn't up to us, right? You can't totally control it. So the more we come to know that, I think we can at least have a better chance of living of being at peace with the way things are because, again, this is, this is a cliche, but it is true. Things just are what they are moment to moment. And we kind of brush those cliches off, but there's, they're actually quite profound. 
you get what you get moment to moment. And so one of the big questions for us all is, what are you going to do with you get what you get? The more we can be at peace or letting go, not be attached, if you will, with the way things are moment to more, more the, 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 moment to moment, the more we're at peace. To the degree we're not, we can't do that, we suffer in the moment. So we do the best we can. Um, I wonder if you could comment briefly on um, the difference between uh, the self-compassion and the wallowing. Sometimes I'm not sure what the difference. Between self-compassion and wallowing? Yes. Okay. Well, I probably don't have to describe wallowing. I think, I'm, I'm assuming we all could understand what that is, right? It's a sense of we're just lost in it. We're drowning in it. And it's, it's a, it's, it really brings in a lot of pity. It, it's tinged with aversion to what's happening. Compassion is something very, the way I use it, is something very specific. It's when love meets suffering. So here we'll often do what many of you know the word metta, which means loving kindness. When love meets happiness or joy in ourselves or others, that's called sympathetic joy. So if my heart's open in love and it connects and it sees, it meets that someone else is happy, my heart there's, it kind of rises up and it, it resonates and there's actually a joy because of the other person's joy. If my heart's open in love and it meets suffering in myself or someone else, it gives rise to a compassion. And it's not a pity because compassion brings in with it a sense of clarity and mindfulness, hopefully some equanimity and non-reactivity in there. So we, we feel the suffering, we connect with the suffering, we don't turn away from it, we don't pretend, we're not fake about it, so we feel it. But also we're able to really be present with it. Somehow the wallowing, I mean obviously you're, you're having your present moment experience, but it's, it's more being lost or swept away in something. I've been practicing being in the present moment a great deal. So much so that I forget the time and I wonder how to balance being present in the present moment with being sort of aware of the sweep of time and um, planning in the future and that sort of thing. It's very strange for me to be so present that I completely forget I'm supposed to be somewhere else in a half an hour. Right, but um, let me just ask you a question. I want to get clear on what you're describing. When you say you, are you do you just kind of get absorbed in something? Is, is that lost in something? It's, so, for example, if someone's reading a book, could be an example. You get just engrossed in the book. So we're present in the, with the process of reading the book, but we've lost a sense of time or things around us. Is it that kind of a... Not exactly. I mean, that's something I'm familiar with. This is something new for me. 
it's like if I'm in a conversation with somebody, I'm very present for that. I think that's actually what's happening the most. Right. So it is being, in, if, if I can use the word engrossed, it sounds like you are. It, it, that's, that, that's my word, not yours. Sounds like you are describing, though, like you're just very engrossed in being with the person. Is Perhaps. That right? And it's a contrast to my way of thinking of what I'm going to say next or thinking of what I have to do next. Right. So I'm learning to be very present with people. And then I lose track of everything. Right. So there's two things I would, I would say. What you describe about not thinking or planning what we're going to say next or how we're going to respond, but just being very present. So that is an, is an example of, uh, of being very present there that you're describing. We can be very present and still be aware that I need to you know, whatever, leave in 10 minutes in order to make my appointment on time or however it manifests for you. You can still have the awareness of time as part of being present, right? It may be hard for you to do it, but it, uh, they're not two different things. So, for example, um, you know, if you're, you're engaged in any activity, taking care of yourself or knowing that I have to whatever you have to do in your day. I have to show up at work at a certain time or I have to take my medicine at 10 o'clock this morning or anything you have to do um, can be there in our mind. Now, if we're, if we're engrossed in that and it takes us out of the present moment, that's, that's, that's different. But being present and still keeping a sense of what we have to do. Now, if, if you're not naturally doing that, you may want to... Um, bring some conscious presence to that. Try to bring that in with you a little bit so you don't lose it so much if that's really turning out to be a difficulty for you. I mean, if it's actually causing you trouble in your life, then that's not so wise and skillful. And you may want to look at that a little closer. I would have to, I'd have to explore it with you a little more, but you may want, so I don't know what's going on, but you may want to look at how can I be present and not lose awareness of what I have to do next or at the time. You can be present and, and have a lot of things in your awareness in the present. It's not necessarily just being aware of just one thing. It could show up that way. But you can also be present and have awareness of a lot of things. And the mind is still, still and present and undistracted and still have awareness of a number of things. There's two different kinds of presence, just on one thing or an open, inclusive awareness. Right? Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, it sounds like you're talking about broadening my awareness. Yeah, because it does sound like you're, you're describing, now that I'm talking through it a little more, that you're getting very quite narrow-pointed in your awareness. So it's kind of an exclusive awareness correct that that tends to exclude other things and yeah right so this is a whole big topic here but there are two kinds of awareness yeah there's more of an exclusive and there's an inclusive awareness both of them can be present undistracted in the moment they're just two different kinds of awareness in the moment does that make sense yes um. yeah so the question is how to do that then yes right so for some of us Focus. There's times we want to be more exclusively focused on one thing, 
And some people are naturally better at doing that. And for some people, it's not so easy. And so if they need to do that, it's a skill they'll have to work on. It's to train the mind. Conversely, there are people who are um, good at naturally can have this exclusive focus and it's not so natural or easy to, to have this more inclusive awareness, broader awareness, and so then you need to work on it. It's not necessarily that it's going to happen right away, but you start to be more aware of it and let your mind turn in those directions more, and it's something that can be strengthened and cultivated over time. Mm-hmm. Okay? All right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So we just have time. We're going to end at quarter till, correct? Yeah. So as we come to our end here, we just have a few minutes. I would invite you to take a few moments and notice for yourself how it is for you as you reflecting to the past. First of all, even if that's up for you or not much these days. And if so, how you are relating with that process. The present, noticing it could be the present right now in this room and, or just this time in your life. Not only what the experience is, but how you're relating with your experience. And then as you're looking to the future, if you are, and how you're, how you're holding that. Letting all that be there. Not to stir up your mind. Just You may just have one or two things that come up for you. And then I invite you to bring your... to narrow your attention some to... What's happening right now, not looking how you're dealing with the past, future, but sitting here in this room right now, what's happening in your body? States of the heart and the mind, just what's going on in your experience right now. And also to notice... How are you being with or how are you relating to whatever is in your experience right now? It's what we were saying earlier. You know, you just are, your experience is what it is. You get what you get. So how are you relating to what your experience is right now? The experience may be unpleasant. It may be pleasant. It may be kind of in between. We call that neutral. Can there be a sense of letting be? Just letting yourself have your experience, connecting with it and letting it unfold. And if you can't, you know, we do the best we can. If there's something in your experience you're not able to be present with and just let be, bring some acceptance for that place in you. And then you can stay with that if you'd like or you may wish to let your 
awareness open to include all the other people here in this meditation hall together. And possibly have a sense of, we were talking about loving kindness, metta, letting that loving heart open to include all the others here. then we'll end with what's traditionally called the dedication of merit. And by that, the term merit, we mean good energy, good qualities, goodness, if you will. So to reflect that we've all used our time wisely together this morning. You know, we've come here to meditate together, to reflect on Um, how we're dealing with past, present, future, and then our own intentions, what we want really our lives to be about in the deepest and highest sense. And any time, whenever we spend time like this, cultivating these qualities, of course it's of great benefit to ourselves but also it's of benefit to others. And, and we, we often say it's not possible that we don't practice for ourselves alone. And in fact, it's not possible to practice for yourself alone. If your heart is more loving and compassionate, if you're less reactive, more calm, that affects everyone you interact with. So you literally can't practice for yourself alone. So we make that more conscious. That's the dedication of merit. We offer up. So you can think of it as, it could be like a prayer, if you, if you like to think of it that way. It could be an intention, a wish, however you relate to it. For all of the good qualities and the good energy, the goodness that's come about from our time together today, we offer it up. May it be for the benefit and liberation of all beings. May all beings everywhere be happy and peaceful. And may all beings come to an end of suffering. So thank you all. And um, I wish you a good day and a good rest of the holiday and new year.